talking about what it needs to be, what you have mm-hmm. to do to be successful or to become the best version of yourself. The best version of yourself is one that is, you know, Efficient. redlining. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean that to the exhaustive state. I just mean that you're giving your full effort mm-hmm. and you're being smart about it. Yeah. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We have had an awesome time doing these podcasts in the podcast trailer. And so uh, myself, Marv, and Kai met up with Tom here for lunch. And I'm like, Tom, why don't you just stop by afterwards? We'll throw you in there too, man. <laughs> like we got all these players uh, running around San Antonio, and we need to get them get them on the show. So, Tom Bigley, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thanks for having me. So, Tom, um, you and I connected a couple months ago, and uh, you told me a little bit about your businesses, and it, it got me real excited because you know we we need more ops people in the entrepreneur space in terms of consulting, right? I go into so many companies. And I'm building out their sales program, and I realized their CRMs for shit. But they don't have one in the first place. They don't have systems and processes in place. I, I, I basically end up helping them self-implement EOS, you know. And on the software side, that's where the magic happens, though. That's where the passive production takes place. You know what I mean? And what you guys do, what you and Marv and even Kai with wholesaling does is puts, puts that CRM in place, puts some of those operations in place that need to happen. And uh, your company that you do that with is Crusaders Growth Partners. Yes, sir. And then you also have another business, which you're incredibly educated on. <laughs> one of those, it's annoying how much this guy knows, but <laughs> you're one of those guys. <laughs> and so you've got your business 911 Roll-On. So yes. it's a CBD roll-on uh, pain, what, yeah. how would you describe it? It's a topical pain reliever powered by dimethyl sulfoxide or DMSO. Um, <laughs> here I you go. You see what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the cool thing about DMSO, though, is that it's the, it has that, what's called, and I'm going to get scientific, it's the okay. highest cellular permeability on the planet, a.k.a. it gets through the skin better than anything else. Okay. Penetrates deeply, gets past the tissue and into the joints and into, you know, the things that matter when you're actually hurting. So I've played a few rugby matches in my time and uh our go-to is tiger ball yeah i've used tiger ball for a long time and i would assume that that doesn't have near the permeability as what not a chance not a chance so a tiger bomb and a lot of these other things are actually petroleum based okay and what people don't realize is you know petroleum seals off your pores Mm -hmm. so it's actually not going to absorb it's going to clog it up okay um now what I call 911 is is it's not a sensational product, and that does not to say that it's not a sensational product, but it's it's not based on a sensation. Right. In other words, Tiger Bomb, you're getting a little bit of that like low heat feeling. Icy Hot, you're getting that cold heat feeling, things it, like that. It sensation. tricks you into th- thinking that it's actually doing something. Right. Exactly. Like it's just skin deep. Exactly. If that. Literally, <laughs> and, and probably not very deep. Yeah. And that's that was the biggest difference is I, I I when I set out to design this product with my partner at the time, we we're like. We don't want a, a lot of frills with it. We really want to keep it to minimal amount of ingredients. Yeah. Um, and so we did. You know, we originally started that. We had a base of coconut oil, the DMSO, and the CBD with a u- little bit of eucalyptus. Mm-hmm. We modified the formula a little bit later after I got a little bit more into 
um, you know, minerals, vitamins, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we added uh, Arnica, which is a pain reliever. It's sort of a, an old, you know, we're in San Antonio, yeah. a lot of Hispanic heritage. And so I went and I, uh, I did a lot of research and I asked one of my friends, uh, his mom actually, I said, what did Afuela have in her cabinet, right? Yeah. You know, what does every, every grandmother have in her cabinet? She's like, hands down, Arnica. Yeah. Um, so we went ahead and incorporated that on top of turmeric, which we all know to be an anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Uh, but I also added glutathione. And the unique thing about glutathione is that it's, it's actually an antioxidant. So it eliminates free radicals, but at the same time, it has cellular healing properties. Okay. So I'm not sitting here telling you, nor can I legally say that this thing like can fix cells or heal you, but really right. it, it kind of does in a sense that it accelerates the healing process. Gotcha. So, you know, whether it's a bruise or a burn or a, a bump or a pulled muscle or mm -hmm. any of those things, because of the way it gets to the skin and because of the elements that are in it, it does a really good job of alleviating that pain. We do it, you know, the nice thing about it too is I didn't want an expensive product. Mm -hmm. I wanted something that was affordable. I wanted something that's utility. Yeah. You can put, you know, it's, it's in a one ounce roller bottle, so it's not real big. It's mm -hmm. almost the size of mascara. So women can put it in their tote, they can put it in their yeah. purse, and do that stuff. Guys can throw it in their gym bag. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's got a lot of utility. Now that makes a lot of sense because, you know, one of the things that one of my mentors told me when I was younger was, you know, that there's, there's two things to becoming a millionaire. And he was very, like, product-based. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to run this amazing company. I'm going to be an amazing manager and a business owner. It was like, I need to invent something that the age group between, like, 12 and 16 love because that's the highest populated age group and it, and it needs to be like 15 bucks and if i invent something like that and everybody's got it you know what i'm saying then i can become a millionaire so it's a similar principle right it's sure. something that like everybody is an athlete in some shape form or fashion or their body's falling apart you know what i mean so this is something that everybody could use and have in their gym bag or something like that and so you've got that side of it and then you got the growth partner side of it which i would imagine you know on the front end you know, you start with a, you know, just like my consulting, you start with a, consult, a fee, mm. you know what I mean, fee-based. And then if the relationship evolves, maybe ref share and long-term sure. equity. Yeah, and that's usually a goal of mine. I think that, you know, I learned early on working with some really talented investors mm -hmm. that one of the most attractive things in working with somebody in business is their willingness to let their work speak for themselves. Yeah. And so that's something I'll always put on the table. I say, look, if we're going to do business and we're going to do it in this, you know, like you mentioned, in, in a sense that we have a rev share opportunity in the future, I'm going to want to do or, or accelerate the rate at which I produce so that you know, we can shift to that model. Cause it's honestly, it's, it's, it's more equitable. It's more mutually beneficial when you're or you or somebody else is not having to come out of pocket right. to pay for the service. And it's, everybody likes to collect on the back end. That's why yeah. drop shipping is prevalent. That's why all these, you know, done for you services or, you know, the, the monthly legal services you can get, you know, all these things are right. more prevalent. So um, kind of wanted to, to tap into that. Mm -hmm. Have you ever gotten burned that way? You know, because your, your fee is rel is relatively low on the front end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and no. so like, like my minimum is going to be a thousand for an hour. Right. And then after that, it goes to five grand and then it, it quickly goes to 25. And honestly, most people sign up for 25 cause they want the full package and they want me in their office and they, you know, they want that like face to face. Right. And so, um, you're you're banking on a small upfront fee, uh, and you were quoting me earlier like twenty five hundred mm -hmm. to get started, and then after that it's like a five hundred dollar a month if there isn't some big build happening. Right, um, and my philosophy behind that is number one, I think that there's a lacking merit in a lot of the work that's being done. 
Um, and, <laughs> Speaking and, to the choir, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing that I realize is that most of the time, I'm not the first person that somebody's tried to work with in whatever capacity that they're trying to solve. So a they're already coming to you a little jaded. They've, well, not just jaded, but they've already spent money. Yeah. So they've drained some of their budget. They've mm-hmm. lost faith in the ability to resolve whatever problems they have. Okay. And so for me, it's, it's more of a, well, let's lower the barrier of entry so that I can show you what I can do. And okay. that way I sort of, I bet on myself. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that other people kind of like that in the sense that you don't have to break your bank to see if something's going to get you results. That's fair. But if you want to continue those results, once you start to see them, that's where we start to kind of like get married. Cause I, you asked about being burned and yeah. I haven't been burned in that respect just because of the, the things I put in place, whether it's contractually or whatever, you know, yeah. the conversations I always tell people straight up, like I put a clause in this contract. If we don't get along, mm-hmm. we can walk away. Yeah. If, if things aren't up to, up to speed, you know, this is what we'll do. You know, this is mm-hmm. the putback strategy. You know, people like to have that certainty. Yeah. Um, I've been burned in the past from trying to get on these equity deals and not having, you know, not papering up, not getting the, the contracts done with them. Yeah. Now I have benefited a lot of times from people just honoring their word. Yeah. But most of the time you don't have paperwork done. These people magically disappear. Right. So I try to, you know, I try to do the first, you know, three months, like I was telling you earlier, we do mm-hmm. the kind of three month sprints. So try to do the first three months and kind of like, hey, give it three months to work because we touch a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. It's not just CRM, but I look at what is your, your digital presence like. Yeah. I don't really mess with social media. I'll right. offload a lot of that stuff to things like like scheduled or mm-hmm. uh, I don't really use $99 social, but that's mm-hmm. another option people can use. And it's really not not anything other than I just don't like doing social. Walk us through your elevator pitch real quick, because you and I talked before, so I think it's easy for us to go right into all this, sure. but we didn't really talk about what growth uh, Crusader Growth Partners does. Sure. So, um, you know, Crusaders was originally started as a means to serve people in a, in a two-pronged approach. So we had um, sort of like a, a company structure, so mm-hmm. not so much process, but more um, hierarchy and you know, relatively speaking, org structure okay. and, uh, and helping, you know, not necessarily from a process perspective, but get the right butts in the right seats. Yeah. And then the other side of it was not necessarily from automation perspective, while some of this stuff is used for automation, it's more to, uh, I would say ratify their plans. It's opportunity to come in and I have a background in, in Six Sigma. So mm-hmm. management consulting is sort of, you know, something I was bred for. Okay. And so I come into it from a different perspective in it and we have what's called a lean event. So we get everybody, every stakeholder in the room. Mm-hmm. We print out giant posters of these process maps from all over the wall. And then we have all these stakeholders. We go through every process and they all have stacks of note cards mm-hmm. or, or note, like sticky notes, yeah. different colors. And so we'll label the waste areas red and we'll label the things that people aren't sure that need to be there anymore yellow. And we just go through this whole thing. And then once we do that, then we'll take it all down and we rebuild everything with those things in mind. I love it. And in that process, we examine what technologies are using, what softwares they're using. And we look at whether that's a good fit, whether that's going to work with the strategy they're moving forward. And we were talking about this on the way over here. A lot of people build their systems as needed over time. Yes, right? And that's the biggest thing is as technology is evolving, we see all this stuff with AI now. You mm-hmm. see all this stuff with all these automation tools. You can't do that anymore. <sighs> There's so yeah. many. You, you, you're just setting yourself up for problems if you have too many things. Like mm-hmm. I try to get people under one roof. 
but there's that's you know we could go down a huge rabbit hole here yeah. but but my philosophy is that there's so many systems now that do something native really well mm-hmm. but they add on these extra things like it might be a really good uh your database tool but they throw up that it's a crm and it's a project management tool and it's really not doing a very good job I, of those things i honestly don't believe and i'm sure i'm sure marv can 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 like combat me on this but i don't believe a marketing crm and an operation crm can coexist well i don't i don't necessarily know i've i've repurposed a lot like we did a lot of stuff in salesforce and okay with, okay, Salesforce is the exception. Yeah. Okay. That's the only. And, and, and Ryan knows. Ryan knows. Like, I loved Salesforce. I didn't know how the fuck to build it out. We had somebody building it out, but Salesforce was amazing. But holy shit, when that bill came in quarterly, whew, so that hurt. The, the concept is this if you think of a CRM in terms of a horizontal flow, mm-hmm. and you think of project management as a vertical flow, then all you need to do with a CRM system to make it function like a project management is to flip it 90 okay. degrees. And so that's that pipeline becomes great, but it also, when you flip it on its side, it becomes vertical. So it's no longer pipelines. Now it's more, I don't want to call it stove pipes, but it's yeah. just a different angle. So I look at things a little different. When somebody sees like a two-dimensional process, I see a three-dimensional process. So it's okay. like where... You know, okay, we're looking at it from this side. Let's spin it around. Look at it from the other side. We're getting some Inception shit now. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just he just did Inception on us. Just turned it sideways. No, I I love it, man. Because again, and I and I think I talked to Kai about this. I talked to Marv a little bit about this. Like I go into so many businesses, and they are just missing the process. They are missing the software tools in order to make to visualize everything. Hell. There's sales teams that don't have their numbers every morning and don't understand where they measure up in the company or against their targets, you know what I mean? Which is, that's the first thing that I go after and I end up building more systems than sales training. Mm-hmm. Because the if they if the systems are in place, at least they know where they stand and they know whether they need to work harder or they're doing good or you know they, they can calm down because they're trending towards their target, whatever the case is. Because we all, we all need, I guess, a, a pace to keep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Versus saying, you know, one week, hey, we're on it, and the next week we're off, and you don't know what happened in between mm-hmm. because the the client only reports weekly or the system only reports weekly, you know? That's something that we've been spending a lot of time on. So one thing that's become a real anchor of what we do is EOS implementation, mm-hmm. and that really does provide a battle rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've worked it, and our goal usually is, you know, by the time we can implement this, you know, owners, managers, and things, people in those positions can spend probably no more than four hours a week in or on their business in that respect. Yeah. And and that's only because there's a consistent manner, manner of measuring week over week or day over day, you know, what are those, you know, intangible accountability type things that we need to look at. Mm-hmm. Case in point, you look at the numbers. Yeah. But then... What are the the unresolved issues from last time? What that everybody forgot, right? Well, that's the thing. Because the was, meeting was over. I was thinking just like you were saying. I mean, you have to revisit the data in order to know how you're progressing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, and this relates to you know, I had some some time in fitness myself. And people go look at at the scale every day. Yeah, but in personal training or, or fitness in this respect, you're not really worried so much about the scale as you're worried about the composition. Yeah. Um, so, but at the same time, like 
the weight is an input value to figuring some certain yeah, things out. Yeah, it gives so, you a, a, a marker. Right, yeah. and that's that's essentially what we're trying to do is identify what you know the big rocks are for people, what the issues mm-hmm. are for people, the things to regularly chew up, digest, share, and you know, come back to. Um, EOS does a really good job of that. You know, it's mm-hmm. very standardized. It's a way to do that. And so that's something that we've done. And we brought in, you know, additionally some, some VAs that are certified mm-hmm. integrators and stuff like that. So we've got a nice team built out to help people implement as well. So let me ask you about that because that's my next step is to become a certified EOS implementer. So do you, you have someone in your organization or do you outsource that? or how do we, you So that? it's both. Okay. So, um, so we've got in-house um, some people that are – very good with EOS, not mm-hmm. certified, but right. they are, you know, more or less implementers. And then we do have some outsourced certified folks that come in, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's. And that's what, that's what I'll tell people. It's like, look, this is not going to help you with your evaluation, you know, uh, us self-implementing, but it's going to make your company run so much more efficiently. Now, once I get that certification, then hell yeah, once we put that stamp on there, your evaluation can go up 20% just by having a certified EOS implementer in your business. So... Um, I think uh, that's a space that, you know, you and I are going to be able to partner in for sure and play in, especially with, uh, man, I, I don't think you came out to that dinner and uh, oh, I already forgot his name. Remember when I came back and I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna have bought and have my license to, to fly by the end of the year? Yeah. Um, damn, I can't remember his name. But uh, he's a business broker. Okay. He sold uh, Justin Shaner's 4x4 business. Okay. And um, that's what he was talking about. He was like, uh, businesses want to buy, when they already implement EOS in their business and they're buying another one to expand or to add another arm and they have EOS too, then all of a sudden they want that one more than any of the other ones. When you walk into any business, um, you know, especially when we come in, we do our our consults, you know, Mm -hmm. right now we do a a free consultation, kind of get in, understand what your business is, where your problems are, you mm-hmm. know, what the priorities are, right? Yeah. Uh, because not everybody's a good candidate for a CRM. Not everybody's a good candidate for certain aspects of the business, right? I mean, you might have somebody who's, say, for example, a, a custom home builder, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, that person's not really going to need an automation so much as they might just need some, hey, Drip here's campaigns. some work we did. Yeah, yeah, this is our newsletter, this, that, and the other. Right. So, uh, but... On the other hand, those kinds of companies are the ones that stand the most from the things that we do in, in the SEO environment, like mm-hmm. the, you know, the audits that we do. You know, we come yeah. in, we'll do a full B- audit. Building a house in this town or this city. Yeah. In SEO. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not just that, but you know, examining that what the competitors are doing, where they're ranking, where the opportunities for that are. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can really come in and, and have a good link building strategy, a good uh, blog writing strategy. These are the main things that are going to get you traction and bump you up. You know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of partnerships with a lot of sites that, that will backlink that are high domain authority. So we push those and it just gives people a lot more exposure. We do a lot of press releases, syndications, review stuff, citations. So that's like all the websites that yeah. you can create an account to have reviews done and all that stuff. Um, so usually if it's not a CRM focus, that's where it goes because mm-hmm. people need a, a manner and, and I'm really big on it and it kind of goes against the grain, but I'm really big on looking at your business uh, from the social media perspective, like mm-hmm. like social media could be gone tomorrow. So it needs to be a part that. of your strategy, but not your strategy. And it sees yeah. too many people, all their their whole all their eggs are in the social media basket. So you know they get cut off from Facebook for posting an Epstein meme or something yeah. like that. Their business is dead for thirty days. Right. So that's why I always say, look, look, you need a long term strategy. That's your short term. That's your input with direct output. But you mm-hmm. need a longer term play. 
because whereas on social media, you could post some stuff and drum up some stuff today, me building a, a good SEO strategy over three months means I don't have to do squat and I'm getting the business. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's just, you know, picking what's going to work for you. It's not a good route for everybody, but right. it's, it's, you know, that's why we do a consultation. No, that makes, that makes a ton of sense on, on several different levels. Uh, not putting all your eggs in the, in the social media basket, because it is, it is very easy to get into that and do it intentionally and separate yourself. Mm -hmm. So you think, oh, this is it. You know what I mean? And so one of the things that I'm doing is backing up everything. Yeah. Every post I make, every picture we have, we back it up to Google Drive. And then we're also going to start doing cold storage as yeah. well. Because what I'm realizing is that body of work, in the end, it's going to be worth millions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? And at any given time, I can turn it into courses. I can turn it into newsletters. I can turn it into content to drive traffic to me, you know? And so the idea that, like, you know, Google has complete control of that. And if Google says, hey, your drive's gone, I mean, that's 13 years of work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I have uh, a time capsule backup, a, ter a terabyte that's full, probably from, oh, man, 2010 to, like, 2016, somewhere around there, and then I filled it. You know what I mean? So that's now that's disconnected and cold storage, yep. you know, and uh, and everything else is on drive right now. And I need to start doing cold storage for that, too, because there's, you know, even this podcast episode, you know, again, this is like getting into the conspiracy theory a little bit. But like YouTube goes down, you know, what I'm saying Simplecast, you know, any of these mediums that we're putting this stuff on. I mean, think about it. If it went away right now. What would that be worth to you to retain that? Right. You know what I'm saying? The same goes for, for leads. Yeah. Same goes for, for, you know, all your IP. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, that, that's, that's a good move. We get so comfortable with Google <laughs> holding Comfortable or lazy, I think. Yeah, you know, There's a fine line that separates. And I don't, <laughs> I'm not saying that anybody, like, that's a lazy approach. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, it's easy when you're in motion to just be like, oh, I'll take care of it later, I'll take yeah. care of it later. But that's that's actually the risk point. Yeah. You know? And that's, honestly, that's what's what's done me right is just I'm a paranoid person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, like, I'm constantly thinking, okay, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? So I've never, I've never understood risk, which is why, like, I didn't have a good credit score in my 20s. So, <laughs> but I, I just didn't, like, I never felt risk. You know, and that's why my wife's a good yang to my yin because she she's the one like on TikTok going deep on like what's happening in Ohio and all the conspiracy theories, and she just kind of fills me in as she needs to. Most of the time, it's just entertainment for her, but she's also the reason that like we're we're doubling down on chickens, and you know we want to get acreage eventually, become self sustaining, and I'm all for that just yeah. because of the idea that no one can tell me what to do. You know what I mean? That's that's my motivation. Hers is to get ready for. You know the 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 world to go to shit in the handbag, basically. Yeah, I've got I've got dream plans for an underground bunker and all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. Same, it's same. Just <laughs> a, it used to be that's just a you know crazy prepper dream, and now it's yeah. like, well, I might actually want to get that yeah. done. Yeah, I just ordered uh, three fifteen-gallon water tanks. There you go. Yeah, because they're still somewhat mobile, but it's like enough to sustain you for a month. You know what I'm saying? And so, and she's got the water tablets. Oh, purification yeah. Purification tabs? The purification yeah. tabs, yeah. We're going deep. We're going deep. 
And so that's what I love about my truck too is like it can power. Oh, that's it's, right. Yeah, it's powering the podcast trailer right now. Oh, is it? And then it it, it can power like my heater or my AC. You yeah, know I think some of those you can hook up to your like a generator or not a generator, but you can power portions of your house and stuff like yeah, that. That, yeah, that's what that's yeah. what my that's my truck cool. can do. It's got two batteries in it, and so the new lightning coming out, you can power your whole house for like a week. Yeah, I'm like, how? Science doesn't make sense, but okay, whatever y'all say, Ford. Okay. All right, so let's get back on track here. Um, so where did all, I guess, where did the education come from that eventually led into all these different avenues of business? You know, that's an interesting question because I've sort of, you know, we all have these times in life where we look back and we're like, you know, that's what prepared me for this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've had, like, a lot of those through life that have taken me to the next place I needed to be that prepped me. When I look back on this and what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. um, you know, I look back to my time in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, my last little bit of time in Fallujah, um, I got pulled in on the general staff and started doing um, contract audits. So some of the, uh, the contractors that were out there doing base life support, things like you know, building facilities, you know, doing the water, doing the uh, housing, the showers mm-hmm. and all that stuff, uh, we had to do those contracts six months a year, you know, every so often. And the way these contractors will work is they come in and they say, all right, we need, you know, all this stuff. We need these vehicles. We need this equipment. We need the supplies and this and that. And one of the things they would do is they would basically buy new vehicles every contract. And it was just kind of a waste of money. You know, I had these vehicles in country. There's I, nothing wrong with them. I never understood the concept of, like, I'm going to charge you for these vehicles that I'm buying you know what I mean? Instead of just there being, I guess, a pool. Yeah, because basically it's like it's like having a now the contractors are your partner. They're spending your money and like you're supposed to be able to go in and manage how they're spending, which I guess is what you were doing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. So it's like. So what I actually did was yeah. the, the general, well, the colonel brought me in first and the general saw me doing it and had me continue. And it was essentially I would take a look at an ex- like what new contract was being proposed. Mm -hmm. And then I would review other expiring contracts. And I would say, you know, you guys are asking for four new Tahoes. Yeah. Well, you've got eight on this expiring contract. So you can have four from that one. Yeah. (laughs) Keep, you know, we're going to keep our 80,000, $120,000 and you guys can have those. And so that's sort of like the eye for detail. And Mm -hmm. it became more of a a risk identifier for me. So when I rolled out of that, I I got a job pretty quickly after I got out of the core with a a DOD contracting company. And uh, so there, I actually started in the mail room there. So I was delivering like mail and stocking paper and toner. Even with that that history in the core? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, but it was a a humble approach. Like I I wanted a job. How did you not like? It was tough. Like you're you're up here and it's you're tough. doing this job that's down. It was here, tough, you know? but it was a it was I think it was a necessary humbling experience. But at the same time, it allowed me to network with the people there and allowed yeah. me to demonstrate my competencies. Um, and it also allowed me to feel out where opportunity was because I was still in school. So I started out with an accounting major yeah. and started falling in love with business management. So I changed my major to business management, mm-hmm. um, which really fueled a lot of my ability to take what I knew but didn't have labeled and identified, so to speak, yeah. and put a put a face and a name to it. And you just described my whole career. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just, I threw myself into business, and then, like, five years down the road, I'm like, 
oh, this is what business management, or this is what an accounting department, is, you know what yeah. I mean? And then five years down the road, it's like, oh, this is what mindset is, and, mm-hmm. you know, funnels are, and, you know, all this other stuff, and all of a sudden I had a name for everything that I was yeah. doing before. And, and sometimes that's all it takes, right? Yeah. Just understanding that. Nomenclature. Um, so I, I started in the mailroom, but very quickly got uh, promoted and, and was in charge of the office, and then once that happened, I was approached uh, to come kind of join what we would call the dark side as it went over to the consulting side. And that's when I, I became a, a project controller and mm-hmm. I exceeded um, probably everybody's expectations in that. And that was sort of like my my coming out party. Um, and I just shot up from there. Is it is it safe to say that the military wastes more money than any other organization in the world? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I mean, I'm going to say, when we say the military, we're thinking uniform okay. people. And I would say no to that. Oh, it's the contract. We're talking about the civilian government employees that nap at their desks and have 12 billion in liabilities for one small little tiny department. That's where the waste is. That's where there's organization, like departments within there. So I had one, um, and I'm not going to call it out, but I had one division uh, under the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And... Within that division, they had 52 different software systems they were using. 52. I mean, if that doesn't show you what, what we were talking about earlier, when yeah. people are coming up and building things as they needed it, right? that's a great example of somebody who digs their heels in and refuses to change. I yeah. mean, it's you have you win the contract to fix that stuff, and they'll still kick and scream all the way through. Yeah. And it's mainly because they either foresee their job becoming more difficult mm-hmm. or their job becoming obsolete. Yeah, they don't want to go well, yeah, exactly. They're you're basically able to automate some of the the processes and tasks that they did manually before and they got paid 120 grand a year to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I did that for a while and moved moved up there. I worked there for um, just shy of nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in the end I, I gained just a lot of experience. I worked alongside the the SES, which is uh, it's essentially like a general equivalent in the civilian sector. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, wherever I was, I, I, for whatever reason, I found myself like kind of gravitating towards the headquarters element. So I had a lot of skills that were useful in that. And that taught me how to come into places and assess their, their performance, how to grade them, how to, how to assign a level of service to, to something that's being performed and grade that. And then you know, take priorities and, and fold those in. There's a lot that goes into a, a reorganization reallocation. We did a lot of, I think we did like four of them while I was there, which is a yeah. lot, especially for a big organization. Um, but you know, because of that waste, because of that stuff, you know, somebody had to go stand in front of Congress every quarter and defend what money was Budgets. being spent and yeah. all that. So uh, there's a lot of work to do and a lot of antiquated systems that, that went into it. But, you know, I, I just try to leave my mark on that by, lightening the load of work, speeding mm-hmm. it up, and increasing the, the really the accuracy of the reporting because that was the big ticket that we came in. There are 120 installations across the United States. Mm-hmm. They all had their way of doing things. They all had their nomenclature. different ways. Right. Yeah. And so we had to install a common denominator, get everybody to speak the same language, to do mm-hmm. the same things, to enter the data the same way. I mean, so it was a lot of training. So we got a lot of practice and training folks in documenting those, but the, the lean events that we were talking about, those are really, really, now they take a lot of time. I mean, this isn't a two-day site visit. You can't accomplish that in two days. You're talking about a week, maybe two, 
And it's difficult for organizations to justify pulling their, you know, their key players and putting them in a room. But really, when you look at it, you know, 14 out of 365 days is not a big tax. And if it's going to, you know, more often than not, when you bring about efficiency to the workplace, not only does the productivity go up, but so do profits. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny because people are like, oh, well, I need to fix this so I can make more money. I'm like, look, the reason you're not making more money isn't because you don't have a good product or a good service. It's just because you're not executing in a way Efficient. that aligns with that goal or that mm-hmm. outcome that you have. So how do you, you know, you've got this expansive experience on the contracting side. How do you bottle that? and sell it to business owners? It's been tough. I mean, that's part of the reason that I come in a little bit lower is because number one, and I talked to Sammy Knight about Mm -hmm. this, um, consulting is a dirty word to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, You tell somebody I'm a consultant, they kind of go, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, and that's, and I think that again, it goes to the merit. It talks to the merit of a lot of people are saying, Oh, well, I did this one time. I'm good enough to teach other people how to do it. And I took a course. Yeah. Yeah. I took I took <laughs> half a course. I didn't finish it or, yeah. you know. Um, like me with building your machine, I took half the course. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, to be honest, I think that the, the thing that I don't do is I don't tell people what their problems are. Okay. Um, my my thing is that, like, there, like there's value to be had. Um, I've not, I've never come across an organization that didn't have something that I could offer. Right. Um, but at the same time, I've come across plenty of people who more or less really didn't need what I had. Right. And, and so I think people respect that a lot when you could say, look, you know, yeah. I, I could take your money and, you know, we could do this exercise. I'm going to tell you right now, just from looking at it, like, I think that you should focus on this. And then once you've focused on that and mm-hmm. eradicated those issues surrounding that, then you'll be ready. Yeah. Because when I was telling you earlier that. What we really, how I bottle it is I tell people I help businesses prepare to scale and then I help them put plans in place to do it. Um, and if they like, I can hold their hand along the way. I mm-hmm. can point and they can shoot or, you know, I can just stand in the background and, you know, have my phone in hand in case they need something. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's because it comes from the process side and, and I think there's an increasing awareness of processes and systems mm-hmm. because of all this automation. You can't really do it until you have those things identified. Right. So uh, I think people are more open to that now, um, especially people in high volume sales environments are really, really going to benefit from you know having yeah, auto you, dialers. and You, you put know. one little automation in place and all of a sudden their sales go up 5% and to them that's a million dollars. You know what I mean? Yep. And, you know, I, and that's a, that's the thing. It doesn't matter if it's a small company or a big company. You could change one little lever, and it'd be all the difference. And um, yeah, that's what I think what's so interesting to me is um, how just changing five yeah. percent of something can totally change. You know, the the projectile or the mm-hmm. projection of where somebody's going or the the trajectory, I should say. I've always geeked out on the manual version of all this we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how I built my business and how I how I've helped other people with their businesses. At, at best, I've got a spreadsheet that shows metrics. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And maybe it's it's zapping from the software to the spreadsheet. I don't know how to do that shit. I pay people to do yeah. that shit. But I know what it needs to end up looking like yeah. to run efficiently. So I know what my dashboard, I want that to look like. And then and then 
my VA team or my US based team goes and makes that happen. Um, but even then, like getting it into like a CRM space that automatically spits out those kind of dashboards, like in Salesforce or in Go High Level. Every time I see, let me ask you about this. Because <laughs> every time I see a Go High Level dashboard, and I'm saying like the thing that shows how much you've got incoming, what your pipeline looked like, that whole deal. All I, all I do is look at it and I'm like, I bet you it's inaccurate at least by 40, 30 to 40%. Mm. For me, like every time I, even, even Salesforce, those dashboards never give me accurate enough data that I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable making decisions in my business on them. I always end up in a spreadsheet. Yeah. And in it, you think that's just like an old school mentality or is it like I, I have, I've been through a lot of CRMs. I've seen a lot of reporting and I always end up at a, at a Google sheet. I think there may be a, a stigma that exists around having more control over that information. Um, He's over here like that was just some psychological analysis <laughs> right there. He just broke me down. He he knows I'm a control free. <laughs> I didn't know that, but <laughs> the, the the thing about it is, we call it uh, fidelity in the data. Okay. If you don't have a high level of confidence in the data that's in the system, then you're not yeah. going to have a high level of confidence in that information. And if you've had it, this goes back to what I was saying before. Mm-hmm. You've had an experience in the past where you had inaccuracies in data you're going to continue to have that apprehension yeah. going forward until such time you've looked at that dashboard and reconciled it against your spreadsheet 20 times and yeah. you feel confident about it. What I find, especially in high-level builds, mm-hmm. is there's a variety of ways that you can attribute cost. And I think that really where it is is it, it's down to the value of the automation or the workflow or, you know, the, the hybrid of that opportunity. I love doing that. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, like, that makes sense to me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, one of, the, one of the, the greatest pivot points in my business was when I was able to understand what my cost per hire was. Because mm-hmm. basically, I wasn't a sales org. I was a recruiting and training company. I was a staffing company. You know, at the, at the end of the day, all of my staff, that's where their efforts went, was recruiting and bringing in new people, onboarding them and offboarding them because we were so high turnover. So once I realized, hey, this is my cost per hire, you know, and it started out like $450. And by the end, like six months later, we had worked so hard on that, we had it down to $177 yeah. cost per hire. And that was one of those metrics that like changed the game for us. All of a sudden we went from, you know, 2.8 million to 4.8 in one year. Yeah, one of the things I've done a lot is, you know, high level has a, a lot of custom features. So you can come in and, you know, that dashboard's one, but you can change a lot of the, the visuals on those reports and right. stuff like that. But I actually will, I have a, what I call like it's a white label dashboard. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, with my developer, we built uh, a little system that we can take those metrics and combine them with additional things. So it's, you know, whereas you can only get certain reporting capabilities. You get a lot of capabilities at a high level, but if you have something like that, high level is not going to tell you that unless you have a specific measure that's running an algorithm that's going to spit that. And and I guess that's where the um, operations piece and the marketing piece get separated and go high level for me. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Because I want it to be able to show me, all right, what's my cost per lead and my cost per hire and what's my uh, days to install. Mm -hmm. And it's like, damn, that's a hell of a build that can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you can absolutely do that in there. I uh-huh. mean, it's not a – the biggest thing I tell people is if you can write a narrative, 
Like, if you can literally write it like you were writing a, a how-to in fourth grade, right. you know? If you can write it that way, more than likely you can build it. And that's how I understood it. Like, if I can build it in a spreadsheet, it should be able to be built in a CRM. As long as I have the data. Depending on the, the way source. you format. So a lot of people don't understand the tabular format necessary in Excel. Okay. So they'll come in and be like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to track my stuff, you know, vertically. Or, or, you know, really the best way to do that is your column headers on mm-hmm. top, moving left to right. Because you can catalog data better that way. Right. And you can reference data that way. But, you know, there's no coincidence that that's also in sort of pipeline form, right? Yeah. So uh, the manner of it is a database pipelines, you know, if you really think about it, you know, you can use pipelines as just gates and sections where activities occur. It doesn't necessarily have to be a sales process. It could be in this stage, this person needs to accomplish X, Y, and Z. So we're going to set up an automation to guide them through that process. Mm-hmm. So we've gone completely nerd deep on this now, <laughs> I think for a good 20 minutes. So I'll, I'll pivot a little bit here. Uh, one of the things you said that made a lot of sense to me and that I could sell this shit out of is that you're their first COO slash CMO. Walk, walk us through that a little bit. Cause you, you have, you covered some marketing. I mean, you covered a lot of operation stuff, a lot of CRM stuff, but where does the, the marketing piece come in and, and how have you kind of like acquired those skills? Well, 911 was really what, what put me on that. Um, I never had any sales experience before mm-hmm. I got into that business. Um, and just a note on that, my partner at the time uh, did not want me to focus on on social, did not want me to do any retail sales. He wanted me to strictly focus on wholesale. And so I we made a, we made a, a goal of 30 stores in 30 days and ended up getting 100 in 100 days. It was great. I did it all foot on pavement. No phone really? calls, no nothing. I literally went to stores, went to like five stores a day. And, and, and what are they ordering, like a 100 count or something like that? Uh, no, stores don't usually order that much, especially new orders. It's usually 12, 24, you know, they sell dozens out. at a time. Yeah, they, and they build more. it up. Yeah. Gotcha. And then I started getting into distributors, and then it was just like, how am I going to reach more people? And so... My biggest problems were, and I think a lot of people have these problems, is number one, when you're in a B2B environment, it's really difficult to get past gatekeepers. Gatekeeper. Yeah. Um, fortunately now, I have AI scraping tools that I can snipe a thousand, I, like straight to the source. I could go and I, you could say, hey Tom, go find me the, the buyer for Circle K in the Northwest region, and I'll have that for you in 30 seconds. Wow. Phone number, email address, everything. Is that, a, is that a service you provide too, or just kind of goes with your well, it's a, it, It's not my service. I didn't build that service, yeah. obviously, but I definitely offer that to, to, to clients as well. If it's a B2B business and they have some targets, it's pretty easy to grab those. And, and for that part, you know, I, I zap that into high level. So they go and they create lists, they dump it in there, it goes right into high level. And then I have sequences that start that off. We can go drop voicemails in their voicemail box, give them a heads up. Because I like greasing the skids before I hit somebody up. I like to... I'm that guy that sends you an email and then calls you to tell you I sent an email. Like, you know, (laughs) this is my excuse for calling you. I want to make sure that you got the email. But it's, it's, I don't know, for whatever reason, I feel like that softens people up a little bit. Um, It has always worked for me. But um, but as far as the the marketing came from, the necessity to kind of solve some problems, which was, you know, how do I get B2B solved? How do I I stop wasting so much time there? Mm -hmm. And then it became, all right, well, now that I've got it, like how am I communicate to them? How am I going to reach them? How am I going to nurture that? How am I going to, you know, grab that interest? And so that, I mean, to say that I went off and read all the marketing books would be accurate, but kind of irrelevant um, because 
you know, I learned a lot of principles, right? You know, everybody says, you know, know your avatar, know your customer, know where they are, know what they're doing, all that stuff. And, and at face value, it's like, okay, I need to know that. But how, what does that really mean? How do I do that? Right. Mm-hmm. And then it was, all right, well, how do I get more organic traffic? How do I get people to my website? How do right. I start doing this? And then start spending time on uh, social media, doing that stuff. And then actually what really helped me the most is I, I started talking to the people who I noticed to be doing successful and asked them if I could do some free work for them. And so eventually they started throwing me in, breadcrumbs. In and, that same space? In that in, product? In marketing. Well, it started in CBD, then it, okay. it spread to sports nutrition. And it got a little more broad with uh, with gut health, and now it's sort of all-encompassing. Um, so you know, I do a lot of specialty stuff for CBD companies, sports mm-hmm. nutrition companies, just because I have a lot of background in the product space and the distribution space. Mm-hmm. Um, so for product companies, I do have lots of distribution contacts, um, which is nice. You know, I, I sort of – I'm what sets me apart in a sense is that I'm not just a retail guy. I'm a wholesale guy. So I understand both, the B2C yeah. and B2B. Um, but the necessity for me to find solutions to the problems that I was, I was having turned out to be solutions to problems that everybody else is having. So that sort of helped there that my operational nature, I'll be honest, I started just like everybody else. I started yeah. trying to solve problems before I had them and therefore didn't create them. Right. <laughs> and so, um, you know, having to learn those lessons, um, I didn't learn quick. I learned mm-hmm. slow, but I think that's what's made me better is that I've had to actually Spend get time on right, it. Right, yeah. right. I mean, some people can go through stuff really quick and soak it up. And I'm not saying I can't, but, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Alex Hormozzi, and he always yes. talks about you don't read a book, you study a book. Um, and so I've kind of adapted that or adopted that and started doing that, and I've found you get a lot more out of that and that, you know, people who perform well are like that. You know, it, it, it's, it's one of my faults because when I do read a book, I go in on it. And then that book has to become the Bible for me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, uh, Stuman talks about this all the time. Read a book, get one nugget, and you're good. You know what I'm saying? Because if you go too much in on one concept or one, you know what I mean? There's, there's so many amazing ones out there that marry together. But at, at the same time, it's like, if I'm not going to go, I have a hard time picking up the book and reading it if I don't think I'm going to go all in on it, you know? I've, have you ever heard of the app Headway? Uh-uh. It's a... So basically a, uh, a cliff note audiobook yeah. uh, thing. So what I do now for most books that are available there is I'll go, it's a 15 minute summary of the whole book. Yeah. So I'll go listen to that. I'm running errands or something like that. If it's a book I'm interested in, I'll listen to that 15 minute spiel. And if I feel like there's some value, some interest, then I'll get the book and I'll read it. Okay. Um, just because, you know, last year I read over a hundred books, mm-hmm. um, just kind of went on a tear. I had you know, some health issues, so I was down a lot. So I had more time to do it, but that's something I started to like, pick up books. And then I was like, you know, I'll finish what I start. So it's like I pick up a book and I don't really like it. I won't go to another book or I won't Same. stop it, but I'll, ne- I'll neglect reading that it. book. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, all right, you know, the the 75 hard thing, the 10 pages. Yeah. When I did 75 hard, that became something. I was like, all right, well, that's easy to do. 10 pages a day keeps you sharp, keeps you on your toes. And, and so, you know, for a long time, I read all the marketing books, I read all the development books, I read all that stuff. And now um, – you know, I've kind of backed away from that just because I'm sort of letting that all percolate and I've sort of like needed to take a break. From At some it. point you got to execute, right? Well, that and, <laughs> and, and then you need something else. So like I'm reading Moby, Moby Dick again. Yeah. And a book is wild. Like I didn't remember all the stuff that was in that book, like cannibals and like all yeah. kinds of stuff. Weird. Um, but it's a nice break. Like I, I didn't realize how much even just some nonfiction reading would do for like just my energy and my, my spirit and things like that. Yeah, and going from, you know, a development book or a concept book to or a marketing book to 
to TV is too big of an extreme. You know what I'm saying? It so is. like going to a nonfiction in between, there's still some like I don't know lessons in there, and Absolutely. it's not just pure entertainment. Yeah, I mean, you learn something, or you use your imagination, right? Like, right. Um, I used to do a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. I enjoy writing, um, but sometimes when you sit down to write, you know, nothing's flowing, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> I remember I, uh, I watched this movie, Finding Forrester. Oh and, yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, and the main character of the book was sitting down in Sean Connery's apartment, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna write." And so Sean Connery sits down at a typewriter, and the kid sits down at a typewriter. Sean Connery just banging away. The kid's like stuck, frozen. And uh, he's like, Sean Connery's like, right, right. And he's like, well, I don't don't know what to write. And he's like, no, no, don't think. And so he grabs a book and he throws it in front of him. He says, start typing that. He said, type that until you feel your own words. And once you feel your own words, start typing them. It's pretty cool. And so I use that as a way to like clear log jams. Like if I can't get my own brain thinking about something, I'll find a similar topic, I'll start typing about that, and then once I start to disagree with it or go off, boom, lights on, I'm rolling. It doesn't take me long to do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. Um, The book subject is a good one, too, because I'm in the middle of writing my book right now, and I think so many books, so many people start writing a book because of one concept that they can explain in probably five sentences, Mm -hmm. and then all all they do is repeat it throughout the whole book. And I, and I get it. That's the structure, right? They tell a story, they repeat the concept. They tell a story, they repeat the concept. But I'm just, I cannot stay on with that. You oh, man, it drives saying? me crazy. I mean, the, my philosophy is to just have a purpose if you're going to write a book, mm-hmm. right? And that purpose is not, you know, here's all the things I've learned in my 21 years of life because that's going to be It drives me nuts. nuts. And it's it is yeah. like I'm not knocking anybody's hustle. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, you're going to write a book, more power to you. But... I'm not going to buy it if it's just like you're talking about. It's a yeah. revolving door. Every chapter is just you regurgitating the same you thing in a different way. You got to hustle. Right. You got to have a good mindset. It's like, give you me something I mean? new. Like, why? Well, give me a reason to buy your book. Mm-hmm. Give me a reason to read your book. What are you telling me that I don't already know? Well, and I feel the same way about, you know, speaking from stage. You know what I'm saying? If, if you don't have a purpose up there, and so much of speaking needs to be simplified. Because so many people go up there and they say five concepts that I've heard. 17 different ways from 14 different people and and it's like i tune out i do and that's human nature it's like as soon as i hear someone say um you got to develop your mindset or you got to delegate automate eliminate or you know what i mean like because i've been around this space for now probably 30 to 35 events i start tuning out you know i feel like and this may be true for other people but you start aligning yourselves with people and it's kind of Counterproductive. You start, like, if you take social media for example. My mm-hmm. my Facebook news feed is filled with entrepreneurs and right. with people like that. And at first, I think that's really cool. Like, here's a lot of like-minded people, all that. But then yeah. it's the same diary entry. I'm like, I half the time I want to just mail them a diary and mm-hmm. say like, Hey, dude, you don't need to tell the world that shit. Yeah. Just just keep it to yourself. You know. I could love that. <laughs> like, if I hear someone say, I didn't want I'm to get up. See, <laughs> <laughs> so y'all, Marv is in the, in the studio oh right now. God. And he's like, I'm never making a post again. No, but I mean, but look, there's a difference between sharing value and like an experience that other yeah. people can learn from and yeah. just like going through the same motions all but, the time. But look, we're all guilty of what he just said. Yeah. We've all done it. You know what I'm saying? The, the question is, are you doing it with every post? 
or are you mixing in some fucking real lessons in there? Right. You know what I mean? And and if one of you motherfuckers posts again, I didn't feel like getting up this morning, but I did despite, then I'm going to lose my shit. I have seen me. that same post. You know what I hate? And I got to get out there. Yeah. I hate all these people saying you got to get up at 5 a.m. to be successful. <laughs> Good Lord. Like, I yeah. got up at zero dark stupid for yeah. five years in the Marine Corps. Yeah. And let me tell you, I'm, I'm no different getting up at 8 a.m., yeah. 7 a.m. You know, people are like, oh, well, you know, take the first hours of the day to, to knock this out. Well, guess what? Everybody in my house goes to bed before me, so, and yeah. I work better at night. Yeah. So that, you know, it, it, the thing is, it's just like everybody fitting in these cookie-cutter molds of what it has to be to be successful. Like, stop talking about what it needs to be, what you have mm-hmm. to do to be successful or to become the best version of yourself. The best version of yourself is one that is, you know, Efficient. redlining. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean that to the exhaustive state. I just mean that you're giving your full effort mm-hmm. and you're being smart about it. Yeah. And so, to me, I'm like, these people that write these books on their feed and it's just like, you know, five words in a period and then double space and five words in a period and double space. <laughs> okay, like, now you're talking about the building in your machine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Look, that's every one of my a, posts. There's a way, no, there's a, there's a way to do it. And then just like you said, like yeah. if you, if you have something you're adding value to, it's, it's the people that are like telling that story and just lead up to the fact that they really appreciate their dog. It's like, <laughs> look, dude. I mean, yeah. I get it. And, and look, that's social media. That's what it's for. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of people are going to not me. But like, well, you know, that's just me and being authentically me and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And that's fine. Like, I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just saying that, you know, more so than anything is people are doing it in a whiny way, like yeah. as you were saying. Yeah. And it's like, don't whine. Like, yeah. if, you're, if you really want to be successful, demonstrate the qualities of a successful person. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean you hide your bad side. Right. But put your best foot forward. Yeah. And I, I just feel like there's a lot of people who go through the motions and don't really have anything to say. They're just posting for the sake of posting. Yeah, and in that happen, especially in the beginning, yeah, you I know, understand. when they when they first join, and then they start realizing, okay, I got to post once a day or twice a day, whatever the case is, whatever they start executing. Yeah, they they that that's where it gets bad. You know what I'm saying? And it there should be a course on this. You know what I mean, like. Ser- it, it is not easy to write a post and put it out there for everybody to see. And, and, it, and it is. You get jaded because you're in the space. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you see it every day. You know, but it's that person that doesn't see it every day that sees it that one time. And, and that's what it's I about. I get that. I do. I, I get the messages. You know what I'm saying? And and it is. It, we're better for it than without it. But right now, we're like in a, in a, in a trailer full of four people that see it every day yeah. 50 times a day so you know what whatever we can complain within our it's circle a, it's an algorithm <laughs> it's an algorithmic necessity yes. from a perspective you know um, yeah because when they talks about it when all they the time. click more right. then more people see it right when they comment more people see it when right. they like more people see it well in Ryan's book uh, he mm-hmm. talks about uh, draw a blank I think it's 3M or M3 um, G-Code or no this was oh the E3 that. method E3 yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he talks about there is he really, really flat out acknowledges the algorithm. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the reason you're doing this stuff. And so I understand the the motive behind it is to to get enough out so that you get the visibility so that, you know, you open up, you know, beyond those, you know, 25, 50 people that might normally see your stuff. Your stuff gets shared, you know. And that's the other thing is, you know, you have to, when I first started doing video probably five years ago for 911, four Mm -hmm. years ago maybe, 
I got my partner challenged me. He said, "All right, you're gonna go live every day at five thirty um, for about ten minutes. You cover three topics. You're gonna run through those, but you're not going to make an offer. Period. All you're going to do." Record a video, hitting these topics every day for 30 days. And on day 31, you're going to hit them with an offer. And let me tell you, dude, by the end of that 30 days, I did nothing else, dude. I didn't post. I didn't do anything else. I just did those videos or a post to say, hey, I'm going to go live at this time. Right. I had probably 100, 200 friend requests a day by the end of that. Yeah. I had you know, tons of people engaging with my content. I had mm-hmm. orders out the wazoo. And it's so I understand the, the essence of it, right? Right. You could probably go back and look at some of those videos and say, okay, this is a crappy topic or something like that. Yeah. Um, I got so a ton of podcasts like that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in the end, I, I, I feel like there's there's maybe like twenty people that follow, or maybe like five that follow us that will truly appreciate this conversation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Otherwise, you'd be like, this is not sexy. This isn't about sales. This uh, is, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm like, this is the shit that makes fucking millionaires, though. You know what I yeah. mean? What, what you're talking about right now, so. I just think that you can leverage that. I mean, it's it's fine to talk about something. I just I have a real point. Like, if you're going to help somebody with something, like, deliver the value to it. Don't just make it about you. Because mm-hmm. I think too many people are like, well, I need to show my authentic self. So they spend too much time focusing on things that really don't matter. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and I, and I, I appreciate, I understand the, the concept of, all right, if I go out and I do a reel on core values... It's going to get so many more likes, so many more shares, you know, than if I go out and tell you how to how to compose comp plan. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Because that's boring. Like, that's that's a systems thing. Mm. That's not this visionary, this, you know, but cliche thing. it also depends on who you've, who you've filled your, your friends with, with. Exactly. And so so what you're talking about is so many people are chasing the easy likes and the easy comments and the easy shares. Or they're going out and buying them or whatever the case is. But... What I'm realizing about my following is it's small and it's fucking quality. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because they wouldn't be following it's me niched. if they didn't like that boring ass shit that it's, I do. You know, my, my first mentor used to tell me it is a mile down, an inch wide, not an inch down, a mile wide. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's been a really good guiding principle. Yeah. Um, and that's that's something that's always on top of mind for me when filling my feed or my well, friends list. And that's what I enjoy. That's where I want to be. I want to be in those deep conversations. I want to be in other people's companies making an impact, you know? And you, you got the other side of the coin, though. Like, influence is fucking influence. Sure. And you can't get around it. Like, we were just talking about Chris Sizzo earlier. Mm-hmm. He's a mile wide. Sure. You know what I'm saying? But, that's, but he's not at the same time because it, he is he knows the shit. fitness. Yeah. He fitness knows is shit. a niche, right? Yeah. And there takes a certain mindset mm-hmm. to be fit. But it, it doesn't take any effort to follow him because he's entertaining. Sure. He's sexy as fuck. He's handsome. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he does have and some he has eyes. funny yeah. He has funny content. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of effort to follow him. Whereas like if you're gonna follow me, yeah, you you're gonna get the, you know, I, I know how to mix it up. I got the Texas stuff, I got the chicken stuff, you know what I mean? I got my dog, I got my kids, I got my wife, I got my restoration story, you know what I mean? Um, but most of the stuff I'm posting is about systems and processes around building sales teams. Mm-hmm. So it takes effort to follow me because you're like, well, if I don't live in that space a little bit, then that's not interesting to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it, it doesn't take any effort to follow, like, true influencers. Sure. You know? And I think that's where it's, like, 
there's it's sort of a new paradigm that mm-hmm. exists. You know, there's influencer marketing and, and things like that, and it's it's almost I almost liken it to the whole Yelp craze because you know there's this is a South Park episode I saw a while back. They're okay. mocking this, right? And um, basically, one guy in the in the town is a Yelp critic, and they go into the restaurant and they're like, "Oh, it's going to be a thirty minute wait." And then the guy walks over, whispers in her ear, and she's like, "Oh, I'll I'll seat you right now." And she's like, "What did you say?" He's like, "Oh, I'm a Yelp reviewer." And it's like these people start getting this, and Chris is an exception to this. Chris mm-hmm. is an incredible human being. Yeah. But a lot of these, they get really big heads really fast. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, anything I touch can turn into money and this and yeah. that. But the lifespan of an influencer is not very long. Right. You know, um, and a lot of these, you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of these really, you know, you know I doubt Chris is ever going to be out of shape. But a lot of these people, you know, a couple of years go by, yeah, they yeah. get tired of what they're doing, they get out of shape, they lose it. Yeah. Um, or, God forbid, they do something stupid or say something stupid and then mm-hmm. society cancels them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just as quick as you go up, you can go down. And that's, I've, I've kind of leaned away from that. You know, I don't do as much on social because I'm more long gaming right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm building, I'm helping other people building. Um, you know, I'm more interested in, in investing my time in action than talking about action. Right. And it's not a slight on the people that are talking about it because they have different goals. Like all those people I'm talking about, post about their dog and all stuff like that. Yeah. They got their own beat of their drum that they're following. Well, in, at least in the, uh, the, uh, Crusaders growth partner space, you don't have a $200 product that you can sell to 2000 people. You know no. what I'm saying? And so, and, 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 the, and it's the same thing in my space right now. Right in the book, doing the course, going to have the event. So going wide eventually is going to be a good strategy for me. But uh, it, it, it makes a lot of sense depending on what you're selling. Sure. If you're selling a you know $500 a month fitness product, you can go wide. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Sure. And it, especially if you – and that's a beautiful thing, what Sizzo's done. I love that we're talking about him so much and he's not even here. <laughs> but uh, that's a beautiful thing about what he's done is he's pu- he's put – people like Marv in place, you know what I mean? People like all his amazing trainers that he has in place and he's building a real fucking business. Sure. It's not just an influencer business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, exciting. well, and that's the thing. That's the difference is you have real entrepreneurs behind mm-hmm. the, the influence. Yeah. And it's a totally different outcome because yeah. he's building the systems and he's doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's putting himself around, you know, high achievers, high performers. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, what we all, all are, are doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, but I, you know, the reason I liken it is because at a certain point, like being a Yelp critic no longer was effective. And right. that's what I was kind of getting at is, you know, influencer marketing is great, but it's just like everything else. Like it is so saturated now yeah. that it's not the same as it was. When I first started Get Well Distro, um, individual that was doing some influencing for me, mm-hmm. her first post crashed my website. They sent 15,000 people to my site at one time and wow. I had to like leave a camping trip in like mm-hmm. five minutes so I could turn it back on. And I think we, it took me 45 minutes to get home. And I think we did 20 K in wow. 45 minutes on the way home. So there's power in it. But one lesson I also learned was that not every influencer is good for your stuff. Like I, I we did a, a, a sports nutrition um, line for a bodybuilder who won a big contest. Okay. Um, big being um, Mr. Olympia. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, that's big. He won. He had a big <laughs> following. He won. Uh-huh. Launched this program thinking, oh, he's got a big following. And it flopped. And you would think, this guy's a bodybuilder. Pin- Pinnacle he's got all these people. Yeah. He's on top of the game. 
but nobody wants to buy his stuff. Well, it's because his, his followers are not conditioned or following him because he prescribed good supplements or those sorts of things. Gotcha. They more liked his achievement or they liked you know something else about him. So what I'm getting at here is that it's risky to go do business with an influencer a lot of times because unless they know their market mm-hmm. and their customer base, they may not help you. So and straight influence isn't enough. Right. It's got to be a certain type of influence, mm-hmm. uh, educator's influence for a nutrition line. You know, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Or how-to for a business or whatever the case it's is. It's about alignment, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's anything that you're doing. I mean, you're not going to go to a, uh, a, a seafood market to sell a steak. Right. Right? It doesn't make any sense. So you've got 911 roll-on. You've got Crusaders. Um, what a, What is the next level for each of those businesses? Or are you, like, super invested in 911 still, or what's going on there? The funny thing about 911 is I've taken my foot off the gas of that product so many times, mm-hmm. thinking, oh, it's finally dead. Yeah. And then I get a big order for a couple hundred units or something like that, and it just kicks it back up. And I'm like, all right, yeah, well, you I guess we'll again. be here again. <laughs> you know, and, it's, and I really can't. It's one of those things that you know, the product itself is not, like, sexy, but it's effective. And... I, that's been my approach. I'm not a gimmicky guy. And then that honestly doesn't work in marketing anymore. <laughs> Products that work. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it, laughing, but, but it's I will say true. this, you know, that's what's helped with doing the B2B side is that I've taken a different approach. A lot of people will spend a lot of money on the retail side, getting uh-huh. ads out, doing all this stuff. Granted, that's difficult in the CBD space. But instead, what I did is I built a good base, and then I started saying, hey, check your local stores, see if they have this product. They don't yeah. have it, do that. And they would go into the stores, and they already have the product. Mm-hmm. So that helped a lot because then there was a lot of credibility. Oh, the stores already bought it. So they've already done the vetting for us, so mm-hmm. trust it, right? Um, you know, know, like, and trust. Those are the, the yeah. three big ones. And, um, so that's, that's, that's been great. 911, I, you know, I think we're going to do some more promotion for that. Um, what I'm going to do is actually I'm building towards two things. One is we're building towards a nonprofit to serve veterans and first responders. Um, so we're bringing in people who do breath work. We're doing people who do financial management, who do PTSD counseling, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much any kind of service. If they're, uh, they're somebody who's an aspiring entrepreneur, we can give them mentors. We're going to do things like that. I'm of the mindset that every business should be doing that for their people. I agree. Like it's, it, you know, we called it, when I had the solar business or the AT&T business, we called it freedom training. Sure. We would bring in experts, record them for an hour, and then, and then, uh, drop that training into our uh, Google Drive and then give our, our new people onboarding yep. access to it. And then as they moved up in position, they would get access to more training. You know what I'm saying? That's so great. I think, that's absolutely I think that's, I think there's something there web-based yep. that companies should be able to plug into. And now they've got this, you know, it's like almost like master classes. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we're doing is um, sort of a, a new take on mastermind. So, you know, like, we do our, uh, our quarterly meetings, right? And they're speakers, and then you have breakouts and speakers and breakouts. Um, and I'm of the opinion that... Who's we in this case? Uh, just some of the people I'm working with. Okay, um, gotcha. So, in essence, what we're trying to do bring is... Bring all your clients together. Well, not just that, but bring not just, you know, FOC together and give okay. them a place, but kind of flip the... To, to throw away the old script for these things. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think, like in my mind, what would be a, a, a great thing, and I'm actually working on this right now, and you know, there's two people in here I'm probably going to ask to come to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I want to do is I just, I really would like to have, you know, people and experts in every niche of business, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily markets, but 
but you know, um, executables like the different right. C-suite type people. Somebody's really good at operations. Somebody's really good at sales. Somebody's yeah. really good at the finance side of things. Somebody's really good at the legal side of stuff. So all that. Have them each individually come on stage for five or ten minutes, give their hip pocket elevator pitch, and then break out and allow the people to go to those people who they want to learn that specific thing from and then like get that, that, that like breakout. Window, window shopping. Pretty much, yeah. with the exception that you go and you hold a breakout with that specific person right. under that specific thing. And we'll literally, you know, each person will take 10 minutes or 15 because we're not doing so much speaking. We can spend more time on the people. Hey, what problem do you have? Pull it up on your computer, mirror it to that screen. We're going to fix it right now. It's badass. You know, and that sort of stuff. Now, granted, it's probably going to have to start small so we can hit everybody. But I really feel like that's a value pack. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's going to draw a lot. I think we that's a part the integrator mindset and operation centric person. And mindset. that is me hundred yeah. percent. You know, my partner is yeah. a visionary. I'm the integrator. Yeah. And I, you know, I tell everybody, I don't want to be the face of anything. Like, I don't really care. I don't need the credit. I just want to help have an impact, but it's becoming uh, a little harder to do that. Probably. Yeah. To be that guy. <laughs> well, you're on the podcast yeah, now. It's too late now. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to, we're going to make sure you are for sure. Oh, gotcha. That's what, oops. All right. So the next level in the business is getting into the mastermind space, but more of a ta- tactical mastermind space. And then on the nine one one side, it's just gonna it'll continue to grow yeah, I mean, organically a little got, bit. We've got a lot of good SEO in place now, and things are trending up. And mm-hmm. a lot of the tools I have now, um, I'm just executing them on a regular basis. It's, yeah. it's become uh, you know with the with the press release stuff mm-hmm. and you know the ability to generate these backlinks and stuff like that to really boost uh, the performance of everything else we're doing. That'll that'll take care of itself. The distribution continues. I'm mm-hmm. continuing to work with people on on building that out. Now that I'm scraping all that AI, I've got a lot of automations reaching out to those people. Man, I've got a few people that could benefit from that tactic. Yeah. So definitely need to talk to you more about that. Um, okay. So as far as the family goes, as far as you know, what what legacy do you want to leave behind? You know, it used to be that. I wanted to like leave a lot of money behind. Yeah, you know, that's, I think that's. Normal, I think that's right? where we all start. Yeah, you know? and then it became like I mean, realizing what makes me tick mm-hmm. is helping people, and I think that's. It's almost serving me. You know, we talked about my rates are a little lower than yeah. than usual, but it's honest because I want the opportunity to help, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like I don't want the money to be a reason I can't help somebody, because it's. So many people are after the quick transaction yeah. and then they're just as quick to leave you high and dry and not support you. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people miss the mark, especially yeah. in, in this industry, uh, you know, in the no, marketing I see, side. I see it happen all the time in general business, in small business, and then in our masterminds. Yeah. Yeah, it happens a ton. So it's, it's kind of like embodying the core values of integrity um, and writing ships where they're wrong, you know. Yeah. I've, I've done a lot of business with people who just weren't happy with the service they were getting before. Yeah. Um, and overall, I, I just feel like what's happened is I, I like to be more of an example. I like to leave behind I, my favorite song, and I think my life's theme song is a Frank Sinatra song, My Way. So you could come here and you could say, hey, you know, you could do X, Y, Z. And I'll be like, nah, I'm going to do Y, Z, X. Just because yeah. I like that better, you know, 100%. and it it, it could be completely 
Unnecessary. God, I'm still in that. <laughs> That's going to be my life song, too. As soon as you said it, I was like, and I'll do it. My. Yep. And when he hits that note, I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. That's since high school. That's been my favorite yeah. song. Um, but in essence, that's it. Like I, I just, I wanted, I want to be me. I want to do it my way, but I also, I want that way to benefit other people. And I think that if I can model that for my family, if I can model that for the people I'm around, um, yeah, if I can help other people operate with more integrity, I think I've done my job here. Beautiful. I love it. Tom Bigley, y'all, he's going to do it his way. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. You just brought a ton of value. And it was an amazing conversation, an intellectual conversation, which I really appreciate. Thank you. I appreciate it, too. Thank you so much. All right, let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard, and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.